Lord for that song. It's good. And uh, we haven't sung that in a while. And uh, we don't have the piano music for it. Not for congregational. I mean, there's a difference between just listening music and congregational singing music. And you can't just take any old piece and say, well, let's sing to that. Uh, but so we don't have the, uh, uh, the one to sing to that. But uh, enjoyed that. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Deuteronomy chapter number 6. And I'm going to start covering questions uh, that have been submitted, and by the way, we have we have quite a few, and uh, and sometimes questions are, are are simple, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that, and sometimes they're complex, and I'm not going to say there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes it's too complex for me, but uh, uh, we'll do the best we can and uh, cover everything. And some t- some of them I've already labeled them. I'm like series. There's no way that this question is going to be answered in one simple message. And so uh, this is not one of those. This is one that we can't answer. And I actually thought, boy, that's, I don't know how I'm going to, f- how I'm going to uh, make one message out of that. But I, I actually, I have three pages of notes. And so, um, and I usually only have two pages of notes. So, uh, so we'll try and get it all in. And here's the question I want to give it to you. It's this. Uh, The question is, how do you fall in love with the Lord? And then the second part of that question is, is it normal to struggle with a relationship with the Lord when you cannot physically see Him or verbally hear Him? Yes, we have His Holy Spirit. Yes, we have His Word. But we value face-to-face interaction as humans, and that's certainly true. And so we're going to look at that question this, more, this evening, and, uh, and I, we're going to look at this passage, Deuteronomy chapter number 6, and verse, verse number 1, I'm just going to read a few verses, and we'll have a word of prayer, and then we'll get into the, uh, the lesson this evening. Deuteronomy chapter number 6, and verse number 1, the Bible says this, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy sons and thy sons' sons, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, Father, for the privilege uh, that we have to gather in your house around your word. God, I pray that you would use me. God, I pray that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would, uh, that you would help us to understand and wrap our heads around uh, maintaining a good relationship with you, Father, and, and, and maintaining a, a fervent love and passion for you in our life. God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray that you'd speak through me, and we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this, uh, I I chose this text, but I want to say this, that the word love, or any form of the word love, lovest, loved, lover, uh, the many different forms that it comes in, is used over 500 times in the Bible. 
Uh, and so it's a very important concept for us to grasp. It is also probably one of the most misguided, misused, and abused words of our day and age. If you think about the, the vast meaning of love, uh, boy, it carries a lot of different meanings. Uh, we express these phrases. Ready? I love chocolate. I wrote these from my perspective, so if you don't like chocolate... Sorry, you can put in your favorite flavor there, okay? Uh, but I love chocolate. Um, I love my dog. Uh, I love hunting. I love my church. I love my children. I love my uh, wife. And I love the Lord. Now, there is a gamut, there is a large degree of variance between how those are used. I don't love chocolate like I love the Lord. Okay, and, and so there's, there's a great amount of vast degrees of how that word is expressed and used. Um, and, and so that's very important. Our love for our spouse should be stronger than our love for whatever your favorite flavor is, all right? And, uh, and so that that's enters into the equation. Our love for the Lord should be stronger than our love for whatever sport it is that you might enjoy doing. And, uh, and so all of these are, are important for us to understand, and it's beyond our scope to go into each one of those definitions, categorize them, and obviously it's beyond our scope to go into all 500 uh, uses of it throughout Scripture. Uh, I did find some very interesting things as I was studying that out, and, and one of the things I found out, and I don't have the information right here in front of me, but the Gospel of John uses the word love more than any other book in the Bible. That's pretty fascinating because Psalms has a whole lot more chapters than the Gospel of John does and a whole lot more words than the Gospel of John does. But yet John, the Gospel of John, uses that, that, the form or one of those forms, love, lovest, uh, or one of those forms uh, more than any other book in the Bible. Here's something fascinating I found. Uh, you would think in a story like Ruth and Esther that they would have love mentioned multiple times in those books. They're only mentioned one time in the entire book of Esther, and it's only mentioned one time in the entire book of Ruth. And so I just found that fascinating. Those are just some facts that, uh, that we found through digging through the Bible and, and finding some of those things. And so there's others that are interesting in there, but, uh, uh, but, but we don't have the time nor the scope uh, to deal with all of that. But I, wanna, I want to mention this because I think this is so important for our day and age. The phrase, fall in love, tends to indicate being emotionally overcome with feelings towards something or someone without plan or intention. Let me read that one more time. The phrase, our phrase that we use so commonly, fall in love, tends to indicate being emotionally overcome with feeling, feelings towards something or someone without plan or intention. And, uh, and I thought, well, I wonder... I wonder where that phrase came from. So I dug a little bit, and, and I don't know, the, the, the earliest back that it was used was the 1590s. I did not know that. I thought, boy, this is probably a common phrase, you know, maybe the 1900s it came about. It was used in the 1590s, which is before our King James Bible was written. And, uh, and I found that very fascinating, but what I found even more fascinating is you won't find the phrase, fall in love in the Bible. 
It does, it's not in there. You won't find the words fall and love together in the same text uh, in the King James Bible. It's not in there. And, uh, and so I, I think I want to mention this, that uh, when we, we think about the concept of falling in love and we think about being overtaken with emotional feeling, that's not the same love that the Bible is talking about by and large. And so I want us to understand that. And, uh, and so uh, on one, one, sense, one side of the coin, we don't necessarily fall in love with the Lord, but I believe we could, and we should say this, I would prefer to use the term foster or develop a relationship with God. And I think that's the heart of the question, is how can we foster or develop uh, a good relationship so that we love the Lord? And, uh, and I've got some, some things that we have to see before we can get to that, but we will cover that question. The first one I want you to notice is in, uh, in verse number 5 in our text in Deuteronomy chapter number 6. The Bible says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. The first thing that I want us to notice in, in our, uh, about this topic tonight is the exhortation. That uh, there is a proclamation. The exhortation is, Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And, uh, and it's a very clear passage. Matter of fact, I don't, there's not much explaining that needs done. Uh, the fact of the matter is God outright commands, he was in this case commanding the nation of Israel to love the Lord thy God. Uh, in other words, if we can say it this way, to fall in love with the Lord. And you think about heart, soul, and mind. The heart would represent the emotion, is the seat of the emotion. The soul would re represent the eternal being that would go on and it would be an unending love. And the mind would represent an intellectual kind of love that would say, hey, I'm going to choose to love the Lord my God. And so as we think about this, there is certainly a, a demand or a command from God that we are to love the Lord our, our God. And if he, he commands it, then, uh, in, then we'll notice this as well, that he's going to give us the capability to do that. In other words, God's not going to demand something of us that is impossible. He's not going to say, hey, love the Lord thy God, and then sit up in heaven and say, man, they're never going to be able to get that done. I'm going to watch them. They're going to stumble all over the place trying to figure it out. They won't, they won't nail it because it's not possible. That's not how God operates. If God gives us something, then he's going to give us the means, and it is something that we can do. And, uh, and so we'll notice that as well as we go through this text, that, uh, that hey, he's exhorted us to love him, and he's uh, given us the capability to do that. Now, some people would say, well, this is an Old Testament passage, preacher. And we're not under Old Testament law. Don't you know that anymore? And, and I would say, hey, we're not under ceremonial law of the Old Testament, certainly. But listen, the Old Testament is still valid. There's a lot of important things that are written in the Old Testament. And, and in case you're not aware, and I think you probably would be aware of this, but it is repeated, this verse specifically is repeated in the New Testament on two different, in, at least in two different Gospels. The Gospel of Matthew chapter number 27 in verse 30, or 22 in verse 37, Matthew 22, 37, the Bible says, And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart 
and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And in Mark chapter number 12, in verse number 30, uh, it says it, this is the same thing, and Jesus is talking in this verse as well. And he says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And so it is repeated in the New Testament. It is a principle that's very applicable to us. It was given first to the, uh, to the Israelites, and they were commanded to love the Lord their God. And we in the New Testament are commanded, hey, uh, that's not been relented. We, are, we fall under that same uh, principle that is given in the New Testament and repeated that we as Christians are to love the Lord our God. And, and so there's a certain command from God, an exhortation that says, hey, we need to do this. And as we think about that exhortation, uh, I'm glad that God doesn't just say, hey, do this, and He doesn't tell us how. Uh, he educates us as well. So we see the exhortation, and I want you to see the education. I want you to notice here in our text, and we're going to base out of this text, though we're certainly going to uh, amplify out to many other passages. But uh, the Bible says here in Deuteronomy chapter number 6 and verse number 1, he says, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it. I find this interesting. I, I really love this verse. And, and we, we are six, seven, eight, almost 6,000, 7,000 years removed, maybe 8,000 years removed, or 2,000 years past Christ, and about... Was it 6,000 or 4,000 years old? My mind fails me now, but, but we're, we're, we're thousands of years removed from this time, nonetheless. And so, and beside all of that, we've read this. We've read this over and over. And I don't know about you, but I've read it many times in my life. I, I've read the, the book of Deuteronomy. I've read the book of Exodus. I've read the book of Leviticus. I've read through the Bible multiple times. And, and, and as I read this, uh, you know, we, we tend to say, well, yeah, we know that. But I want you for a moment uh, to, to flip all the way back and put yourself in the shoes of these Israelites. These are the Israelites who have, uh, they have already wandered, if I'm not mistaken, in the wilderness for 40 years. And, and God is giving them all kinds of instruction now in the book of Deuteronomy. And he says here in chapter 6, uh, now these are the commandments, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it. And he's saying, hey, I, I want you and I expect you to follow these rules and follow my word that I'm giving to you. And I'm grateful that God took the time to give the instruction to those Israelites. And not only that, but to, to even have it recorded and written down. Now, this is probably when it was taking place, was audible, that God would speak to Moses and Moses would speak to the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel would receive those instructions. But nonetheless, listen, today we have the word of God. We have the completed word of God. 
And there's instructions in this book and we ought to uh, not take for granted the Word of God because in it are the instructions. They were there when, uh, when God spoke to Moses. Matter of fact, I was reading uh, through some of this and, uh, and as God spoke to Moses, the people got scared. They said they, they, they took several steps back. They said, you know what? I tell you what, you talk to God uh, directly and then you come tell us what God said. Because it was scary to them. They didn't know what was going to take place. They're like, man, uh, they didn't know much about God. They didn't have a completed word of God. They didn't know all of the history that we know now. Uh, This was being written as they were living it out. And they were unsure of everything that was taking place. But God said, hey, I'm going to educate you and I'm going to teach you. And we've had it for, I've had the Bible my whole life. And it's so easy for us to take for granted the things that we have. And so I'm just encouraging you, hey, don't take for granted the Word of God. He's provided us the education that we need that's completely written out in the Word of God. Not only the the provision of instruction uh, and the education, but I want you to notice as well the pattern of love. Go with me to 1 John. Save your spot here in Deuteronomy. We'll be back here. But go with me to 1 John, chapter number 4. 1 John, almost clean to the end of your Bible. You almost can't talk about falling in love with God without mentioning 1 John chapter number 4. I counted, and and if I remember correctly, it was some 20 times that the word love is mentioned in just a few short verses here that that we're going to look at. Uh, 1 John chapter number 4. 1 John 4. We'll go, let's start there in verse number 7. The Bible says, Beloved, Let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. You can underline those lines. I have a hard time almost reading that. I can't hardly read it without singing it in my mind. I've uh, sang that, those few verses so much in my life. Uh, but what a wonderful truth in verse number eight. For he that loveth not knoweth not God. And the second part, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that he might live through him. Let me just stop here and in verse number eight and point this out. There is a pattern of love that God has set forth for us. He gave the Israelites instruction, okay, and they did not see Jesus Christ come. They were not alive during that time. They died before Jesus Christ came. We were not alive when Jesus Christ came, so we're looking back to the fact that Jesus Christ did come, but he came as a, as a show of God's love. And we know that God is love because the Bible tells us that. And it says in verse 9, it says, in this was manifested and that would be showed the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that he might uh, into the world that we might live through him here in his love not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. 
And, uh, and so we see here a pattern of love that God has demonstrated. And that would be that God loved us as people. I think of the verse in Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'll never forget the illustration. Um, I think it was Brother Jerry Siler preaching right here in our church. He gave an illustration uh, of... Um, I don't remember it well enough to give it to you, so I'm not going to give it to you. But, but basically the idea was loving somebody that's unlovable and loving uh, something. And, and, and if, you, if you could imagine, we know what we are. We don't, we don't tell everybody else what we are because we're sinners and nobody likes that. Nobody likes to admit it. Nobody likes to face it. But, but you know in, in your heart what you are. And, and in all honesty, before God, God sees every one of us, God saw every one of us as we were, as sinners, lost, not seeking Him, sinners that were against God, sinners who did not like God. And maybe you got saved at a young age, maybe you have got saved at, a, at an older age, it does not matter. The bottom line is, we were all on the same ground, we were all sinners before God. And there was really nothing desirable about us. Matter of fact, God didn't say, well, I love those people because, uh, because uh, this or that. You know why He loved us? Because He said, hey, I love the world and I care about where they're going to spend eternity. So He loves us unconditionally saying, hey, I want to pay for their salvation. There was no condition, there was nothing in us that was good, per se, to be loved, or there was nothing, I should say it this way, lovely within us. Uh, we were contrary sinners against God, haters of goodness, and yet God loved us. I'm amazed at God's love that He would love us before we're saved, and, and, and say, hey, I care about that. Not only that, but I want you to notice this, that God sacrificially gave His Son, Jesus Christ. We read it there in the text, uh, that there was manifest, uh, in this was manifest the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. That's the example, that is the pattern of love. I want you to see, as we think about the education and the Word of God, and we see the pattern that God has demonstrated with His own actions, loving us when we were undesirable, unlovely, and He still loved us anyways, and He sacrificially gave to us uh, His Son that He would die in our place and take our sins upon Himself. But I want you to notice not only the pattern of love and the provision of the instruction in the Word of God, but I want you to notice the power of love as well. You say, what is that? We're talking about the education. And that is that we, as saved individuals, those who are born again, he said here in the first part of 1 John uh, 4.8, He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. And so, uh, so if we're saved and if we're born again, then we have the power of love. What is that? The power of love, the Bible says, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 but the fruit of the Spirit is love. The very first of the fruit of the Spirit. 
love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And love is the very first one. In other words, God has given us the power of love, not in and of ourselves, not because of our own strength, but when you got saved and when you were born again and when you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior, hey, listen, uh, the Spirit of God came and indwells you and lives within you, and it's the Spirit of God that helps you and causes you to love as God loves. Because God's love is far greater than man's love. There's, there's just no comparison there. And so we're talking about the education that God has given us. He's given all of us. He's laid it all out in His Word. And, and we don't have time to go over all of it, uh, but understand that's the whole basis for the education of the love. And I want us to realize this as we uh, go back to Deuteronomy chapter number 6. He says this in verse number 5, Deuteronomy 6, 5, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God, with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. He goes on that thou shalt teach them diligently unto their children, and thou shalt talk with them when thou sittest in the house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. In other words, there is, uh, after the fact that we have the exhortation, God said, hey, we are to love the Lord our God. We have the education that he told us how to go about it. He gave us a pattern and an example and the power to be able to do that. But then it comes right down to where the rubber meets the road and where the crooks of the question is, is is the effort on our part required to love the Lord our God. It takes effort. We have all the knowledge. We have the information. We're saved. We're born again. We're not new Christians. We've, we've read the Word of God. We know these things. But it comes down to the fact that, hey, we have got to put our effort into it. He tells them, hey, you have got to put effort into it. You have got to talk with your children. You have got to teach it and pass it on to the next generation. But you have to practice it in your life. Now, what are we to practice? I have just three things I wanted to be a pr very practical uh, thing that will help us. Number one, uh, in the practice of love, is live submitted to the Holy Spirit. We have such an advantage over the Israel nation. They did not have the promising of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And they often uh, display that as they wandered astray so often. And listen, even as Christians, we are prone to wander as that one song that we sing so commonly, uh, prone to leave the one I love. But listen, we have got to be submitted to the Holy Spirit. We don't have time to go there, but uh, jot it down, Ephesians chapter 4. In verse number 23, the Bible says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And he goes on and, and, and says some commands about living right and doing right. And, and then he ends it with this, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. If we have the Spirit of God living within us, and we do, then living and pleasing Him is going to give us the power that we need to love the Lord our God as we ought to love Him. It's not a fleshly attribute. It's not a, it's not a, uh, it's not a 
fleshly relationship, if I can say it that way. Uh, sometimes we, we, we take such a, a physical approach to everything. And that's natural. We're, we're human beings, and, and we, we would compare it to that of a spouse or that of a girlfriend and say, well, to, in order to woo this person or uh, fall in love with this person, then we have to do this and we have to do that. Listen, on, it's a whole different plane. We're not talking person to person. We're talking spirit to spirit, God to God, or man to God, and it's a whole different level. And so, therefore, we must submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit of God and He will help us to display that attribute, that fruit of the Spirit of love, first and foremost to God. And I can't tell you how many times it's written in the New Testament, love one another, love one another, love your brethren, love those around you. And that's the second and great command. But we're first and foremost to love the Lord Jesus Christ. And to do that, we submit to the Holy Spirit on a daily basis basis in our life. The second thing is read God's Word. I, I found uh, in Psalm 119, you can just jot these verses down. You, you can turn there real quick if you want to. Uh, Psalm 119, and I'll give you the verses and we'll just kind of read them over. I did not use them all because it wouldn't fit in my notes, but, uh, uh, but there's just a few of them. Listen to how David wrote in Psalm 119. In verse 47, he says, And I will delight myself in the commandments which I have loved. In verse 48, Psalm 119, 48, My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved, and I will meditate in thy statutes. Psalm 119, 97, Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Psalm 119, 127, 97 was the last one, 127. Therefore, I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. Psalm 119, 140. Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. Verse 159. Consider how I love thy precepts. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy loving kindness. Psalm 119, 167. My soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. Falling in love with God has everything to do with submitting to the Holy Spirit on a regular basis and then reading the Word of God. And reading this book, David, he said it over and over, I love thy law. I love thy testimonies. I love thy word. They become precious to you. And perhaps it's going through the trials and the tribulations. Perhaps uh, it's some of those hard times where you turn to the word of God and the word of God is a source of consolation. It is a source of help. It is a source of strength that, that endears you to the Lord. But nonetheless, reading the word of God is going to strengthen your love. It's going to foster and develop that relationship with God that we all need. So there's uh, be submitted to the Holy Spirit. Read God's Word. And the last one uh, in this very, very practical uh, sense of practicing our love for the Lord is pray. I, I, don't, I could have gotten a lot of verses. The Psalms are full of, of prayers. But I want to say this. Talk to God like He's a real person. Now, Used to be, 
you would look weird if you're sitting in your car talking away and nobody else is with you. That's not true anymore. I mean, people do it all the time. Bluetooth, telephones, all that. So it's, it's, so you know what? Nobody around you is, they're going to think you're on the phone. Talk to the Lord. I'd talk to them out loud. I mean, I mean, don't, you know what? We, we tend to think and we tend to box in prayer. Well, I got to get up in the morning and I got to say my prayer. Lord, help me through the day. Thank you for uh, the good night's rest. And, and that's my prayer for the day. And, and, and we tend to think, well, that's, you know, I prayed. Or, uh, you know, the meal comes. And so, well, we got to pray for the, our food. Lord, thank you for this food. And, uh, and help me not to choke on it. And help me to have a good rest of the day. And, and that's our prayer. Listen, you can talk to God all throughout the day. The Bible says, pray without ceasing. You know what? I, as, as, I, as I was sitting in my office, this, this, uh, uh, going over this stuff, I said, Lord, help me. I need help understanding this. I need help to explain this. I need help to write this out. And you know what? If you face problems in your life or you come across difficulties or you come across circumstances, there is absolutely nothing wrong with, matter of fact, it, it would be good uh, to say, God, I, I really need your help with this. Now, you know, maybe if your coworker sitting right by there, uh, hey, you can, you can pray. They might think you're a little crazy, but that's okay. But, you know, if you're all by yourself, you say, Lord, I, I really am, I need help with this. And just pour your heart out to God as if, I don't want to say it this way because I don't want to demean God, but, but as if he is a real person because he is a real person. You can't touch him, you can't see him, but you can talk to him because he is there. Pray, spend time in prayer. This is the effort that we have to put forth. I got one more, uh, and, and we won't go there for sake of time, but, uh, but provoke. Uh, I like this one. Hebrews 10, 24 says, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. You know, you, you come to church, and you see other people, and you kind of provoke them. To what? Not provoke them in a bad way. You provoke them unto good works. When I see other people in church, I'm, I'm, I'm provoked to good works. It makes me want to continue going forward. When I, uh, it doesn't, I don't think it's ever happened, uh, but maybe once or twice in my life that somebody has actually given me a gospel track, but, but you know what it does? It provokes me to go, I'm like, man, that's, wow. There's somebody else out there giving out gospel tracks. And you know what it does? It makes me want to give out more gospel tracks. Uh, it, it provokes me to good works, when you see other people that are loving the Lord and that are putting forth the effort to submit themselves to the Holy Spirit, to read the Word of God, to spend time in prayer, it provokes us to say, hey, we want to do more for the Lord. You can go through many lives. Uh, the Apostle Paul, many times just studying the Bible and, and thinking about his life, I'm provoked to do more. I think, man, I'm not doing enough when I compare myself to the Apostle Paul. And, and some of the Old Testament saints, and you look at them and you say, man, I'm not doing enough. And it provokes us to good works. 
And so we have the, uh, the effort. That's, that's got to be put forth. We have the exhortation. God told us to. The education. He's given us His Word on how to do it. The effort. That's where we must put in our part. We must submit to the Spirit. We must read the Word of God. We must pray. Uh, we must continue forward and provoke others in the ministry in a good way, in a positive way. But I want to I mention this as well, and we'll be done. There are enemies... Of our love. The second part of the question is why do we struggle? And we do. If, if you're a Christian, if you've been saved for any time, listen, uh, in, in any, any relationship, there are struggles. Anybody who's been married for longer than a, a year or two years uh, knows, hey, there are struggles in marriage. And, 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 and keeping, uh, keeping all of it going the same direction, sometimes it can be a challenge. And, and so, uh, so any relationship requires work and it requires effort on our part. And the same is true with our relationship with the Lord. It's not going to be just, well, all of a sudden, hey, we're saved and, and therefore we automatically love the Lord and, and we'll never wane from that. No, we find that there are enemies. Remember the verses in... Uh, Revelation chapter number 2, he says, uh, And I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. And so we find, well, there are enemies to the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've just got two of them that we'll mention. Look here in our passage back in Deuteronomy chapter number 6, and verse number 10. And he's giving them instruction for when they come into that the good land that God has promised, Canaan land. And he says there in, in Deuteronomy chapter number 6 and verse number 10, And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged, which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. He's laying out for them, hey, when you arrive in Canaan land and you move into a house that's already built and you did not have to build it and you, you, you lower your bucket down into that well uh, that you did not have to dig and you go out to the vineyard and you pull the grapes off of that vineyard that you didn't have to plant and you didn't have to fertilize and you didn't have to guard and keep it going and you go to the olive trees and you pull the olives down from trees that you didn't have to plant and you didn't have to nurture and you didn't have have to take care of. He's saying, hey, that's when you better beware. You know what he's talking about? And this is exactly where it falls in our lap in America. It's prosperity. He says, when everything's going well and you don't have any problems and you don't have any difficulties and all of your crops come in with no difficulty and the enemy is not knocking on your door trying to bust down your city and tear you apart, uh, he's saying, hey, that's when you better watch out because prosperity is an enemy to our relationship with God. We know that because the Bible says in the New Testament, Matthew 6, 20, 24, no man can serve 
two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. And mammon is, of course, riches or treasures. And prosperity, I'm not saying that you have to be poor. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, just as he did, when you, if you do arrive at a place of prosperity, beware that you guard your relationship with God ever more, ever the more so, because it's so much easier to let it slip because you're not, if I can say it this way, dependent upon God. You become dependent upon your prosperity. And it switches and it shifts and the Word of God gets set aside, and the submission to the Holy Spirit, and prayers get aside. You know the first thing people do when trials come there in their life? Pray. Man, they like, i got to go to church, i got to pray. First thing that happens, right? Why? Because, because when we have problems that are bigger than us, we recognize we need help from somebody that's bigger than us. But when, when, we, when everything is going well, and there's no difficulty in our life, and, and when we have everything, then we tend to let God slide to the side. It's just natural. And so we have to guard even more. One of the enemies of our love for the Lord is prosperity, and that's part of the reason, I think, that we struggle so much. The second thing, you can just mark this down, is pleasure. Second Timothy chapter number 3 he gives the last days and perilous times. And in verse number four, he's listing things. And he says, traitors, heady, high-minded. And he says this, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Pleasure can certainly be an enemy to our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I think pleasures and prosperity are two of the biggest reasons that really we struggle with our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. There's exhortation. He told us, love the Lord with all our heart. If He told us to do it, it must be possible. There's education. He gave us the entire Word of God. He gave us an example of sending His own Son to this world. He gave us the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. Then He gave us the, uh, the, uh, the effort that we're to put in that, hey, that's our part that we've got to put forward. He's laid out the foundation. He's given us the education. He's given us the capability. And, and we have got to put forth our effort. And then there's enemies. Hey, there's always going to be something in opposition to whatever God's doing. We need to be careful of those enemies in our life. And we need to be careful that our love for the Lord is always strong and it's fervent and it's going forward and it's not something that can fall away, and it takes effort, and it takes requirement on our part. So we need to keep up our end on that side. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet,